Get $10 off your next $50 or more purchase when you sign up for text alerts from Academy Sports and Outdoors. Text the word FISHING to 22369. Once again, that's FISHING to 22369. Offer expires 731 of 2022, and message and data rates may apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Fishing Strategies for Summer Redfish, and I'm going to be talking with Captain Dale Collins of Fisher Die Charters out of the Swansboro area, what to look for, where to look, what baits to throw, and techniques specific for high water temperatures that we experience in the summertime. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater enthusiast of North Carolina since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and here in our latest and greatest effort, the podcast series where we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast and ask them to share with us their insights, their knowledge on how to catch more fish more often. And in this weekly pursuit, I am joined by Billy Thorpe, of Thorpe Creative. Billy, excited for the another episode. Excited to be doing the podcast again. Yeah, man. Always a good time to be on the show with you, Gary. And <coughs> you bring in such awesome guides who are teaching us how to fish, man. Teaching us how to fish. Now, if I can just find some time. Somebody teach me how to get time to fish more or whatever. Anyway, doesn't matter. I didn't know we were also having a pity party. I wasn't aware. Yeah, it was on the run sheet. I don't know, you didn't read it? I didn't read it. The <laughs> second thing, Billy pity party right after Billy intro. Cry me a river <laughs> and build a bridge, get over. That's the one. <laughs> so, I'm sorry you missed it, Gary. Got to read the notes, man. Got to read the notes. Uh, but no, man, I'm excited for the show. Always enjoy when Dale's a part of projects. He's actually been a part of our fishing reports, too, so that's always a fun a fun thing. But I want to shout out to our sponsors real quick to get this show started. So, Bland Landscaping Company, making it happen. We really appreciate those guys sponsoring the show. And after 46 years of being in business, they've officially surpassed 500 full-time employees across the state of North Carolina. And they currently have openings, Gary, in Wilmington, Raleigh-Durham Triangle area, Greensboro Triad area, in the Charlotte area as well. So if you're looking for a new job, if you're looking for a new gig, Gary, after my pity party, you can go work for Bland. I, I am not looking for another gig, but I'll give props to over 40 years in business and 500 yeah. employees. Like, what an accomplishment. Kudos, Bland Landscaping. Yeah, I have one employee, and it's myself. <laughs> I can't stand the guy. <laughs> So I couldn't imagine 500. That's amazing. 500 so billies. 500 billies walking around crying about their jobs. <laughs> oh, anyway. All right. Let's talk about somebody else that's doing something cool in the community, which is Marine Warehouse. Got a quick word from those guys. We'll be right back. At Marine Warehouse, we have everything from trailer, trailer parts, engines, engine parts, new boats, boat parts, a full store. We have a service department. We are your one-stop shop for marine equipment and hardware. We offer a wide variety of parts and accessories for all your marine needs. The best part about working at Marine Warehouse Center is to help customers really get the most out of their coastal lifestyle and share our love for the water. At Marine Warehouse, we're here to get you out on the water because of our love for the water. We like being out there and we want you out there with us. All right. Man, always a fun time, and go check those guys out, and go in their store. Even if you are not boat shopping, they can help you out. They got some gear, some tackle, some apparel, 
I mean, I need to go in there and get me another hat, Gary. I've been rocking this one for a while, so you do. Maybe that's on my list of stuff to do. And I, I would go in there, and I'd hope, I'd hope to see Emmett. But every time I ask about him, everybody says, "Where in the world is Emmett? Where in the world is Emmett?" I have no idea. So this week, I did get another photo from Emmett. All right. And um, you know, he he is on a journey right now, Gary, to sleep better, to feel better, to look better. So where do you think that you could find Emmett? To sleep better, look better, feel better. He's on a pilgrimage. I mean, you might call it that, maybe. But he is uh, he's actually out working out. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> look at him. Wow. There he is. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, man. Took it, it surprised me. <laughs> where is he working out? <laughs> no idea. I'm going to say Bali. I'm going to say Bali. That's all where right. all the cool people go work out. All right. But there's a picture of Emmett working on his new physique. The ladies, if there was any that watched this show, would be going wild in the chat right now, I'm sure. But since they're not, everyone else can go wild in the in the comments. So there you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch him in the stomach just to see how <laughs> tight that stomach is the next time I see him. I'm going to take my... I'm going to take my uh, dish soap in there with my shirt and see if I can wash my shirt on his stomach. <laughs> These little washboard abs over there. Emmett's been working out, eating better, exercising, sleeping good. All right. Anyway, enough of that. So we'll see where Emmett is next week because he ain't at that shop, I'll tell you that. Poor guy. Taking so much crap off of me. Anyway, where are we at, Gary? You want to see some, a fish picture? I'd love to see a fish photo. Now, this fish doesn't have any abs, but I'll show it to you. Uh, Charlie Franklin, age 12, hooked this 26-inch red drum on a pinfish while fishing from a dock in the Emerald Isle area. And, man, I'll tell you, Gary, I don't know what's bigger, the fish or that kid's smile. But yeah, man. I like love both kids. of them. Love kids. Love fish photos with smiles. So check and check on this photo. Yeah. I bet he made some grown men jealous standing there holding that fish while yeah. they're beside of him fishing. So good-looking fish. Good job. A little, a little, I can't remember his name, Mr. Franklin. <laughs> I think his last name was Franklin. So, anyway, all right, Gary, I'm gonna pass it to you, and we we'll talk some fishing, huh? Um, yeah, man. But before I go to Dale, like I've been doing lately, want to plug our weekly fishing reports. Those are weekly inshore fishing reports. Haven't been able to offer offshore yet. All our efforts towards inshore, and these weekly fishing reports released every Thursday, audio, video, delivery. And they are behind a paid wall, small fee. But if you enjoy Fisherman's Post, if you enjoy reading it once a month, if you enjoy checking the website once a month when we do our in-depth reports, then, but you're thinking you want more, then I think the weekly inshore fishing reports are what you're after. We talk to 11 captain and guides up and down the entire North Carolina coast, have it organized by geographical area, have a four to seven minute conversation with each, and it'll keep you in the know. They relay what they're doing, what they're seeing, how they're doing it. And uh, I've been enjoying those conversations. I certainly, I own a fishing newspaper, and I am much more fishing knowledgeable after this project just by being a part of it. Yeah. So I believe in I believe in the mission. Yeah, man. I think you told me you listened to to a couple of guides and went out and caught some more fish. So uh, it's good, man. They get some good info, good tips, tricks, strategies. It's a lot more than, um, I, as I said, you know, last time, like it's a lot more than just like, well, caught some fish, fishing's good, but you guys are getting into the nitty gritty. So, um, and dude, I did accidentally post a full episode on our YouTube channel when I was trying to post something else, and we get some really good feedback. So that's okay. always that's always good. Uh, probably shouldn't have told you that, but I took it down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, well. We're going to get more strategy here, man. Dale Collins does a whole lot of fishing. He is a fishy dude. So at this point, 
I'm going to say Billy's best takeaway. I'm coming back at you, Billy, at the conclusion of my conversation with Dale. But right now, it's my pleasure to introduce back to the podcast, Captain Dale Collins, Fisher Dye Charters out of the Swansboro area. Thank you for being with us, man. Welcome back to the show. Hey, Gary. Hope you're doing well this evening. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Enjoy talking to you in whatever capacity that is. You know, but even though we have history, you cannot skirt the two-question format that we have before we get to the main event. You tell me you're ready. I give you question number one. I'm ready. Question number one. I might have even asked you this before. Why should we listen to anything you have to say about a redfish, a red drum? I, ain't nobody ever listened up and I ever see it, so I don't know why. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I guess I do it day in and day out. Uh, I, I catch them. Uh, just about as good as anybody else, I guess, at, at times. And, uh, you know, just, I just got a passion for it and I'm willing to tell you or teach you or show you or, you know, whatever. All right. Acceptable answer. We're moving on to question number two. Again, you tell me you're ready. I give you question number two. Okay. Ready. All right. So your charter name, fish or die, fish or die, made me think of the game my sons like to play with me in the evening when my brain is tired and doesn't want to think, and it is Would You Rather. I'm sure you've played Would You Rather. So i got I've two Would it. You Rathers for you. Are you ready? All right. Would, this is coming from my sons. Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or fight one horse-sized duck? Uh, I might be able to get away from one horse-sized duck, so let's go dance. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't I don't think I can get that. away from a hundred. I think you. I don't know. I don't. But I don't think you're getting away from a horse-sized duck. I think you're dead. I don't think you'll get away from none of them. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather number two? Would you rather lose all the money you earned this year, or lose all the memories you gain this year? That's a tough question. It is. Dude, I've gained some pretty good memories. Uh, I would probably lose the money. <laughs> I think I would too, man. All right. Enough of would you rather. Again, based off of fish or die charters, let's talk redfish. So specifically summer redfish. Again, this is being released in mid-July. So we are talking about the heat of the summer, the high temperatures of the summer. I think you're trying to help us first, and this is what I think most people's primary question is, is finding fish. So help us find red drum in the heat of the summer. Well, in the, in the heat of the summer, a lot of the bays that's off the intercoastal waterway are going to get up to about 90 degrees or over 90 degrees in those bays. And those fish are not going to stay in that hot water like that. And they're not going to be very active what feud does. So you need to start venturing away from those those bays that's just away from the waterways or away from the deep channels that's coming in from the inlet because those channels in the waterways is actually bringing in cooler water and it may not be but seven or eight degrees, but it's going to make a world of difference. When I'm when I start fishing bays and it's 90, 95 degrees, 96 degree water in it, or or even higher, I'm going to look for water under that. Hopefully, I can find some 85 to 80, and then you'll start picking up fish again. So when you're talking about bays in the Swansboro area, you're talking about basically almost like extended flats, like one to three feet of water. Um, depending on yeah. the tide, is that how you would describe a bay in the Swansboro area? It's depending on the tide, and you can think the water 
at low tide it'll be a little bit warmer than it will be at high tide because it's got fresher water coming in at high tide or cooler water coming in at high tide to fill those bays up but they're still once you get deep inside those bays it's not going to take it long to heat to heat up like above 90 degrees so your suggestion is to i mean are we saying everything from the inlet to the channels coming in from the inlet the icw holes like all of it uh yes absolutely uh docks on deeper water uh, around the icw and, and around those deeper channels where this is where it's like that creek is broke off or coming off the uh, icw or or right off where it comes the inlet comes in uh that deeper deeper clear water is going to be cool and are we talking about like are you always liking moving water like moving tide does that matter uh most bays, most time most places we fish it it's we're gonna it's all gonna be moving till you get slack tide so i mean anything we fish is going to be moving one way or the other i prefer drum fishing that it's not moving pulling really really hard i'd rather have a slight move to it so you can you can stay in contact with the bottom if that's what kind of base you're using or whatever but uh but in, in, at some point in time during that day you're fishing you're going to have a slack tide so you're going to have non-moving water so help i mean i'm guessing you've given some thought and again i might be asking you to speculate maybe you know maybe you don't know but first i would say ask why is it that the fish collect in bigger groups in the colder water and then they break out into ones and twos or maybe threes in the warmer water and then second what is the habit of red drum in the warmer water i mean are they constantly on the move or are they trying to move as little as possible i think me personally i, I i've never heard it said or anything but i think the, the red drum gather up in the sun in the winter time uh i think it's they for protection uh it's clearer water uh might they get into these shallow water bays real shallow water bays on these oyster rocks for the heat and uh i think that's why they get together they, they stay in those places and uh when it does get warm enough that the little crabs and stuff little crabs pulled out of the water that's what they're eating that's what they're in in there huddled up for all right so and, then uh, what what about that deeper water man if i'm fishing docks i mean are they hanging out at one dock are they moving around the dock are they moving from docks to docks they'll, like they'll over the course from, of the day dock. a week they'll move from dock to dock you can go you can and i'll give you for instance uh of a bay i fished the other day i, I went in it on a, on a sunday there was not a school of drum in it i went in it on monday there was a huge school of drum in it went back tuesday and they were gone so these fish are moving and they've got so much pressure on them right now about so many people fishing that they they stay on the move it's it's hard to pinpoint it and, and keep one there's, there's one or two schools around that we have now that that's always there but most of these schools have already split up and and going their own direction but the more pressure and the stuff the more pressure they get on them the more they're going to move and they're, they're just like us they're not going to stay where there's nothing to eat they're going to stay where there's where there's food we're, we're not going to stay where we where, where we can't get anything to eat well, I guess that kind of leads me to the question I was getting ready to ask. Like, okay, we can all easily understand the concept of deeper water and deeper water being cooler and closer to the inlet and incoming tide. But, like, I guess my question now is, like, all right, dock fishing. Are they like a sheep's head? Do they like docks with growth on it? And then what else, man? A lot of you guys are, are telling me grass lines or deeper grass lines or oyster rocks or oyster beds, like, beyond – 
you know, or sometimes I hear, you know, just like a deep water escape route. Like from your perspective, what are the habitats beyond deeper water and just around the dock that Red Drum enjoys being uh, comfortable in? They, I, there's something when they get schooled up around the dock or, or whatever, there's something in that around that dock. And I, I'm not sure what it is. I'm not sure if it's the temperature or there's plenty of bait around it. There's no disturbances to them around it. Uh, but there's something around that dock or those two or three docks right there together that, that they really like. And they're going to hang out there till they, till they run off. I, I wish I did know what held them there, but I, but I don't. Uh, we just, we go in and we, we, just, we beat those docks and you'll find out the two or three of their own and you fish them. And, and as long as you don't go back to them docks every day and beat them and, and nobody else sees them, you can go to them a couple of times a week and they'll probably still be right there and you can probably catch them, but you, you will move them out. But as far as it holding there, I, I'm not sure if it's the temperature or, or the bait. Uh, I, they're, I'm pretty sure they're not eating anything off the, off the pilings or anything. They're, they're in there getting the crabs and the mullet. And then especially if you got some docks holding a lot of bait, that's they're there again, they're going to stay where they're sweet. All right. So docks that hold a lot of bait. And I'm again, I'm following everything you say. So for you, is there like, an ideal scenario, like, because there's docks abound in the ICW and you could spend day after day after day tossing at docks and maybe be there at the right time, maybe not. And so, again, for someone who wants to listen, watch this, and then go out and have some confidence that they're not just casting blindly, is there something about this environment of docks that gets you most excited? Something close by, something in the vicinity? or you just got to work them? Well, I like I like fine docks. It's got seawall or it's got a grass bank in between them. Uh, and it's got a flat, it's got a sand flat. And when it gets closer to the end of the dock, it's going to kind of roll off, drop off a little bit. <coughs> and with that being said, when that tide's high, pushes up against that grass, it pushes up against that seawall, those drum are going to move all the way back up to that wall and underneath that walkway of that dock. They're, go, they're going to run back and forth right along that grass in that shallow water. You could probably, if you got in there close enough and not spook them, you could probably see them. But when that tide falls out, they're going to pull to the end of that dock where it drops off at into that, into that cooler water. Okay. Man, uh, I follow. And I guess what I'll do now is, is switch the conversation. Unless you got something else to add that I haven't set you up as far as, like, where to look or what to look for, we can start talking about the baits you like to throw. Okay. I mean, just when you go into these places, just look for, look and see what kind of baits around it. Uh, and they'll, they are, they ain't just stuck on one bait or a mullet or a, or a crab. They will, they'll eat a pinfish. They'll eat a spot. They'll eat a croaker. They'll eat a uh, crab. They'll eat lizard fish. They'll eat everything. So you, I mean, just as long as they, some, something there for them to eat, that's, that's where you want to look. That's where you want to look. So ideally what baits, I mean, I, but you must have baits that you prefer. I mean, that was a good list. But what do you what do you prefer? What are your top baits to use for summer redfish? My top baits uh, is I like throwing the skitterwalks, the Rapala skitterwalk, SW08 or the SW11. It's depending on time of year. Uh, as we as we go on around July, uh, August, the the minute the mullet's going to be bigger. That's in the bay, so I'll probably start throwing the 11, uh, the golden mullet, the silver mullet. Uh, They've even got one that's got a, it's a frog color. And I don't know where they've seen a frog yet, but they'll eat that frog scooter walk. And uh, I like throwing that. Uh, those are, are some of my favorite things. 
But when that water's real hot like that, it, it, that that's a bite that you're going to get real early in the morning or real late in the evening when they get more aggressive as, it's, as the water's cooler real early or it's cooler real late. Uh, spinner baits, uh, something like the redfish magic or falling tide spinner baits. And if, if the water's, if I'm fishing real clear, clear water, I'm going to use a white or I'm going to use a glow chartreuse. And if I'm fishing muddy water, I'm going to use a, a dark color, a root beer, with, maybe with a chartreuse tail or something like that, and just slow roll it. And uh, they will, uh, the red drum will hit it and the bycatch on that is flounder. So, I mean, they work they work well for, for whichever. Um, anytime I'm going to do fishing a plastic, which could be a gulp, and uh, it could be a, a pearl white gulp, four inch rim, it could be a molting four inch rim, it could be whatever. But I'm, I usually use plain lead jig heads in a 16th or 8th ounce. I try not to use anything any heavier if, I, if possible. I try to fish it just as light as I can. I do use 25 or 30 pound fluorocarbon leader. But, uh, and then I, I will rig some up weedless where I can throw it way back into the grass. I've even got to work on some of my scooter walks. I'll change from a, a treble hook to a single hook. And uh, that, that keeps me, I can throw it a little bit deeper in the grass and I don't get hung up quite as much. Still get, still get hung up some, but not quite as much as I, I did on the treble hook. But uh, just, you know, if you're fishing real clear water, use a use a you can use a brighter bait. If you're not, uh, use a darker bait. Uh, I've seen it work very well in, in those cases. Change you know changing around for for water color. Okay, so I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to circle back and kind of go through what you said. Make sure I follow. And the skitter walk, the top water, I follow. Like you got to be early or you got to be late. You know, it's just warmer water and they're more lethargic in the heat of the sun and the brightness of the sun and all that. So on the spinnerbait, I was following everything you said. I wasn't quite sure I heard. Did you use the term slow roll it? You got to slow roll that spinnerbait? What does that mean? Slow roll, it, slow roll it right off the bottom. Just wind it just enough where it might actually bump the bottom a little bit or just, just right above the bottom. You don't want to wind it fast because, I mean, when you're when you, uh, winding that bait, it's, you want to wind it constantly, but you want to wind it real slow, just enough where it stays off the bottom. And uh, you'll feel the you'll feel the blade working and thumping and thumping. And the faster you do it, the more it's going to be. But the more you know you got it off the bottom. So just just do a, a constant slow wind, and, and just keep it off the bottom. And you said, I believe you said 25 to 35 pound fluoro leader on the soft plastics. But I'm guessing you use the same thing for the spinner baits. Same thing for spinner baits. Any any lures I'm throwing, uh, artificial lures that I'm throwing right now for red drum is uh, is going to be 25 to 30 pound. Fluorocarbon. I usually use uh, Yozuri Pink. It don't matter what color it is. I just had really good luck at it with that, so that's what I use. And I'm it, guessing it doesn't. I'm guessing length doesn't matter that much, but I I think my people like specifics. So ideally, your leader length is how long? I usually tie at least 18 inches, and that's simply because you're, we're fishing around a lot of oysters, uh, and it gets you know nicked and cut and stuff closer to the lure a lot. So it just gives you enough room to retie and retie. And if you want to change lures, you got enough to retie. It don't have to be 18 inches, but it just it helps you out in the long run just changing lures or or retying a, a knot that, that might fail on you from a from a, a, some kind of abrasion. Okay. Um, now for my follow-up questions on soft plastics, I got a couple of them. So why do you l prefer the much lighter jig head? Because, because we're fishing around the oyster rocks and fishing in the grass, it don't sink quite as deep into the rocks, into the oysters, and it don't sink quite as deep into the grass. Um, so, you know, it's, sometimes it's just easier to get out. 
but it, it's it's a whole lot of the reasons it's difficult with oysters. And you just don't you don't want a big heavy you know the if you're using a four inch gulp shrimp that's enough big bait that's enough presentation. You don't really need it to be any heavier than than the sixteenth ounce if you if the wind will allow you to and you can cast cast it far enough. If uh, you don't need it to be any heavier than sixteenth ounce is plenty. Are you doing a similar action with that as the spinner bait, like basically kind of bouncing it off the bottom, coming back to you? If I'm throwing a paddle tail, it's a constant, the real slow roll wind again. Uh, if I'm throwing something like a gulp shrimp, I'm going to fish it like I do a, a rubber worm. I'm going to bounce it off the bottom, let it set, and I'm going to let it sit there for a minute. And kind of like dead sticking it. Then I might move it again and move it again. And when I get, a, normally when I get about 10 or 15 foot off the grass, I go ahead and just wind it in. Because if you're in there at high tide, those drum are holding closer to that grass than they are closer to the boat. I ain't gonna say some once in a while that you won't you won't catch one closer to the boat. But most of those fish are real close. Even when I throw a top water bait, when I get 20 foot off the bank, off the grass, I wind it in real quick and make another cast because they they're going to hit it within that 10 or 15 foot of the grass. Okay, a um, couple more soft plastic questions. Why just a plain color lead head? Nothing red or nothing. I, I just, I don't know. I've just been fishing it for a long, long time, even trout fishing, um, flounder fishing. Normally, I don't use uh, use any any color. I just, just use the plain lead head. I, I just, it's just less, I think, for them to see, to maybe spook them, and it maybe look more natural, maybe look more like an oyster. I don't know. It just, it's just plain Jane, nothing special about it, and I, I just think it, it don't show up as bad. Okay. And then I think, I'm, I think I'm going to say this is my last soft plastic question. So you've been mentioning gulp, and so I'm guessing scent is very important to you for summer redfish. And if so, do you have similar results with other soft plastics in Procure? Or have you found, in your opinion, gulp to be that superior product? No, I, I use any soft plastic I use. Even even my top water baits, most of the time they're so slick that you can't even hold on to it to, to cut the line to take it off. I use a lot of Procure. I use the, the blue crab, the Manhattan, uh, the mullet, uh, and the shrimp. Those are your, your four top flavors for your, for drum. And they've also got out a red drum flavor or brand, uh, smell, I guess. I, I don't know. It's just formulated just for them. But, uh, but any, just, just use one of them. You, know, you don't have to... To pick any certain one, blue crab's my favorite, then mullet, and then the manhead. But I'll, I'll whichever one I grab, I put on. I, I just think as long as you use one of them, you're it's going to help you. You put Procure on gulp baits? No, because they're wet. Uh, you can, and you, if you can get it to stick long enough to cast it the first time, but a lot of times it'll sling off of it. And the, the, we call those kind of like wet baits. They're already sitting in a juice. It's, it's just hard to get it to stick to it. Okay. But I, I will. I do attempt it. I, I really do attempt it. And I also, uh, I'll carry a little, little bit of manhaden oil and drop them, drop them down in it, and I'll use them like that too, with a little bit of manhaden oil on. Okay. Uh, my my tournament partner Chris Falcone got me to doing that. All right. Well, I think now we switch over to techniques, and so maybe we start the conversation with techniques by telling me if I'm on your boat and you've identified a dock that you believe is holding some redfish, and we're going up to check this dock out. Walk me through the process that you would do to sort of cover the dock to either find fish or not find fish and decide to leave. Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you is don't cast on top of the dock. 
for a cast to get hung on the dock because just, if we have to go in there and get your bait, that's it's done. Those those fish are gone. I'm going to try to stay away from it long enough, far enough away that we can we can fish it effectively. We can throw up underneath it. We can throw around it in, in all directions, and uh, just slow slow your bait. I don't use a lot of top water baits around the docks. Uh, I have used them, not done very much around the docks, but the gulp shrimp, the, the Z-Man jerk shads, uh, the stuff like that. Uh, call a lot of drum around docks using those. And it, there, I might go to the eighth ounce jig head instead of the 16th. Even though I'm throwing up shallow, I'm gonna fish it down to where it drops off a little bit deeper. And you want it to you want it to go down. You want it to stay, stay in contact with the bottom. So okay. I, I'm gonna tell you to slow down, make try to make precise cast, uh, throw under the dock, throw around the dock, and just, you know, try not to get hung up. All right. So do you prefer to have the tide in your face or the tide at your back? Current. It don't, it don't really matter. Um, the thing that helps me fish that kind of current where I don't have to fight the trolling motor is one with spot lock on it. Uh, you can actually stay off the dock, set the spot lock on it, and whichever way the current's going, it's going to turn the boat. And you can sit right there fishing effectively. If you got to run up there and it's too deep to put your power pole down or your talon down, uh, which they'll work in the shallower waters too. Uh, but if, if you go to throw an anchor or anything like that, it's not going to work. Or you go in there trying to fight it with a trolling motor that don't have a spot lock, or fight it with your with your big motor, it's you're just it's, it's kind of it's probably not going to work out too well for you because you're going to make too much noise. Um, if there is a good amount of water on this dock that we are targeting, do you start at the end of the dock and then move into the grass line? Or if there's enough water in the grass line, you start there and work out? What I'm going to do is I'm going to stay out far enough away from it where I can still make a long cast to the grass or to the to the seawall. Uh, you can you can make a pretty good cast if you're not going into hard wind or anything. But it's, it's still reach those places. So I'm, I'm going to stay where I'm going to be closer to the front end of the dock, but I'm where I can still a little bit of distance away from it, but I can still reach the grass. And then how much time will you spend on that dock without a bite before you say it ain't happening? If, in 15 minutes, if I ain't got a bite, I'm moving to the next one. And are you I, I, don't, I don't spend a lot of time. If you're gonna, if a drum's there and you're going to catch him, you're going to catch him in, in first five minutes, first two or three casts maybe. But after about 10 or 15 minutes, it's time to move. Don't, don't sit and waste your time and waste your time only time you'll see me do that or the only time you need to do that is if you've got a school of drum or got drunk that you know that's going to that you got them timed they're going to be on this dock and they're going to be on this dock and they're going to be on this dock or whether you've got a school of fish that's running up and down from those docks going four or five docks and you sit right on that center one and every time they come by you catch a fish then you sit there then you you don't chase them because then if you do chase them you know, the odds are you're going to spook them off you're going to run them off so you want those fish, you want to sit right there, be still, be quiet, and catch them as they come up and down. And a lot of times you'll see them come up through there and they'll be flashing like mullet, and, uh, which is pretty cool. But you can see them come down the bank and then you can get ready, throw in front of them, or whatever. But, uh, but if you haven't, if you don't know, have this set up or, or don't know that this is happening, then I, I don't fish the dock over 10 or 15 minutes and I'm moving to the next one. Um, I'm going to ask a question that I meant to ask before, but I forgot to ask it just because I was going in deeper on soft plastics. So all our conversation was on artificial baits. Are you not 
employing any live bait, cut bait, like natural baits? Absolutely. Uh, especially, especially when the water gets hotter, when it gets to the, in the 90 degrees or the 86 degrees or something other, after it gets, you get past that morning bite with the plastics or the top water or the evening bite, uh, those fish kind of get uh, lazy. They're not going to, they're not going to do a lot of moving unless you pull in on them and run them off or move them. Uh, I use a Carolina rig. I'll use Manhattan. I'll use mullet. I use blue crab early in the season, but right now there's so many small fish and they, they'll clean out a piece of crab before it ever gets on the bottom good. So fango mullet and Manhattan are the top things that I'm using right now. Uh, I cut my Manhattan in chunks uh, and, and use it that way. Uh, I throw it, try to make sure it's about two foot from the grass not five, not six, but two foot. That is, that is crucial, two foot is, because those drum are running that grass up and down it, chasing that bait up and down it. And if there's, if there's something on, right on that grass, they're probably not gonna pay no attention to something five foot off of it, unless the tide's falling out and you're starting to, start to see the black ring around the grass. That's, when you start seeing that, it's time to maybe start working your way out or keep an eye on it. But uh, even my finger mullet, when I use them, I'll put one out li alive, and I'll take one and cut the tail off of it and put it out. And sometimes it don't make no difference, but sometimes they'll pick that one with the tail off before they will a live one, and sometimes they'll bite the live one or not the other. So I always test the waters with that. And if I got mullet in Manhattan, I'll put one of each out and see which one they're, they're wanting then. And uh, if baits, if, if those baits are hard to find, I have caught them on croakers. I've caught them on spots. I've caught them on pinfish cut up. So they'll, they'll eat whatever. Uh, if, uh, whatever's in front of them, if they're hungry, they're going to eat. You can also take a four inch gulp shrimp, put it on that. Uh, I'll rig it right through the nose like I would a mullet on my Carolina rig, throw it up against the grass and let it set, and they will eat that too. You don't even have to move it. And if you do, if you are fishing these Carolina rigs like that, it's very, once you get it where you want it on the grass, don't move it. Let it sit there. If you, the more you pull it, the more you're going to get hung in oysters, the more you're going to. Uh, take a chance on breaking your line off or or uh, nicking it and, and a fish hitting it and, and cutting it and breaking it off but that just let it sit don't don't wind your slack out if your boat's kind of moving back and forth a little bit it's going to pull a little slack and then when it moves the other way it's going to take it out let it do that don't try to keep your line tight if he hits that mullet or that manhaden he's going to take that slack out by himself and that you're not going to it's not going to be no mistake for what it is because he's going to hit it and he's going to be gone. So let's throw it, let it sit. I mean, if you have to put it in the rod holder, don't even touch it. That's, now I suggest that to a lot of people that have, they just want to wind it and want to move it. Don't move it. Let it sit. All right. So I'm going to come back and I was going to ask about grass, but before I do that, as a follow-up to this bait conversation, to go back to finish our conversation on docks, I'm guessing if you're using natural baits on docks, are you casting out cut bait and letting it sit? Or are you casting out live bait so that you can work it around and maybe work it back to you and cover a little bit more ground? Either way, either way I do it, I'm throwing it and let it sit. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let, throw it up there, let it sit close to the dock or underneath the dock or whatever, right against the grass, and I'm gonna let it sit just like I would if I was in a bait. And just let it sit there and let them come to you. Uh, let let them let them do their thing. I mean, if you got two or three fish coming toward your bait and you pull it and you're you're hung up in an oyster and you muddy the water up and all that, you're going to scare those fish off. Uh, 
So the best thing, I mean, I, I do the same thing. I let it sit. Okay. So what I want to ask now, because you're talking about grass lines and water and two feet, is I was already going to ask. Like, I didn't want this to be just a podcast episode where we push people to dock fish because, I mean, that's not your intention. I know you're not dock. I mean, you're fishing docks, but not exclusively fishing docks. So right. what else is someone to look for that gives them an idea of, hey, in late July, August, that's not a dock, but that has some deeper water and that might hold fish. Like what is what are some other areas look like that would catch your eye? If I plucked you and put you in Southport, Southport Oak Island, you would be looking for what in addition to docks? I'm going to be looking for oyster bars. It's got deep water around it, especially if it's low tide. They got deeper water around it. Um, a lot of those fish are going to pull when that tide falls out. They're going to pull into that deep water, or they're going to pull into uh, like a like you're going into a bay. The creek that's going into that bay or the bay, the mouth of it. If it's if it's three foot tide, three foot deep at high tide, and it's a foot and a half deep at low tide, and the rest of the bay is six inches deep or a foot deep, they're going to pull into that that little bit of deeper water. So that's that's what I'm going to look for. I'm going to look for points that's got little deep drop-offs, or look for um, oyster rocks that's got deep water around it like that or even a drop off on a bank where it comes out real shallow out of a bay and then it's got a uh, grass bank right or left hand side of it and it's deeper there they're going to pull to that bank and they're going to wait for that tide comes in to go back in so that's that look for look for a little bit deeper water on, on those drop offs and stuff like that it don't have to be a dock it can be any, a creek mouth it could be an oyster bar it could be anything and if i'm targeting an oyster bar does the same kind of rule apply as the grass line like maybe two feet off that oyster bar but you want it kind of close or is it more a rule with grass line that's more of a, to me it's more of a rule with grass line if you can tell how far that oyster how big it is and where it kind of stops you want to throw to the edge of it because uh, if you throw right up in the middle of it you're going to stay tangled up or you're going to get cut off on the most for the most part even even if you throw a top water bait across it and when that drum hits it on the other side you still got to come back across it so you you stand a chance on on losing your fish and your lure, but uh, I, w I would want to fish closer to the edge instead of throwing right in the middle of it, or, or you know, up on it. I'd I'd like to stay a foot or two away from it. All right. I think I feel like we've done a good job, and I think I'm at the point in the podcast where I say, "What else, Dale? I mean, what else? What other thoughts do you have on summer rudfish? I mean, again, the people listening, the people watching." They'll welcome any advice you have, what to do, what not to do, or anything that I haven't set you up to say. Just don't give up. Keep looking. Uh, I'll go into a, a bay, and, and, and this is what you need to do. Don't, don't go in there and just and sit on one spot for an hour. Go, if you ain't caught that fish in 10 or 15 minutes, move to your next spot and keep moving. And keep moving until you find a fish, and, and, or two or three fish, or one fish, and, move, and, and if you catch a fish, Set there another five or ten minutes. If you don't get another bite or another catch another fish, move. Don't just go in there and say it. But just just and and just don't lose lose your patience with it. Uh, you'll figure it out. You'll find places you can fish and uh, effectively. I'll go into a bay and I'll run to two or three spots in that bay and I won't fish the other, the rest of the bay. And that's simply because I fished that bay all the way around several times and I've caught fish in those two or three spots. Not, not ever caught a fish anywhere else in that bay. I don't know what it is about that spot, but uh, it's, most time they hold a fish, maybe two or three, but most times one of them three spots you're going to catch a fish out of. All so right. just, just don't give up and be patient. 
Sounds like a good way to end this podcast. Captain Dale Collins, Fish or Die Charters out of the Swansboro area. Always enjoy talking to you. Certainly love fishing with you. Looking forward to the next reason we get together, whatever that is. Well, next time you bring him with you fishing, and uh, y'all tell that guy with them six-pack abs, I got him beat. I got a 12-pack ab. I've been working on that thing for about 50 years. <laughs> All right. I'll tell that guy. I don't think he knows he has a six-pack ab. I don't think he's aware of it, but I'll tell him. <laughs> but I'll take his 12-pack any day. <laughs> Dale, have a good summer. All right. You too, brother. Look forward to fishing with you soon. Later, man. All right, man. Wow. Good episode, Gary. Good episode. I mean, I enjoyed uh, Emmett's abs. I guess uh, Captain did as well there. So, <laughs> oh, he, he, anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna get away from that because I, you know, I'm gonna get away from that. I'm gonna get back to Billy's best takeaway. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> I was going in a different direction. Um, okay, so my best takeaway for this, and there were several because I think all the little stuff adds up. But when I'm listening to podcasts and I'm and I'm tuning in, I'm paying attention. If I hear a captain repeat something multiple times, I'm like, I got to take a note of it. Um, and that was, especially during these hot summer days when the water temperature is way up, to go look for those deeper holes, to go look at the end of docks on low tide. Um, and then, you know, when the tide rises back up, then you can go, you know, back into deeper water. So so deep water, cool places, we all like shade. And so same with fish, I guess. Like, they're going to jump in there, so... Yeah, but I got, I mean, I got a bunch of takeaways. I should, I should like, I should put all these together instead of scratching one paper table and, and book, put them out there. sitting on a coffee table book. I know, right? Like, we could. Wait, do people buy books anymore? No, I get like an e-book or maybe I could read Not it coffee. to them. I can read it to them in a soothing voice. <laughs> Make sure you have slight soft plastic, 16 ounce or, or, or 16th of an ounce <laughs> to yeah, avoid man. grass hangups. Anyway. Um, but yeah, man, want to appreciate our uh, our sponsors, Marine Warehouse Center, Bland Landscaping, Academy Sports for making this episode possible. Support them when you can, where you can, and we really appreciate everybody listening, watching, hitting that subscribe button, button, leaving us a rating and review. Uh, Gary loves it when you mention him by name in those, so be sure to do that, and uh, and we'll see you in the next one. Gary, appreciate you, man. Thank you. Fisherman.